Greetings, I'm Jennifer Kennedy, the lead for quality here at CHAP, and welcome to this month's CHAPcast. In today's discussion, we're going to be spotlighting some fundamentals and innovation at the same time, and I'm here with Dr. Amy Moss and Jason Banks to talk about that innovation. But before we dive in, uh, Amy and Jason, could I ask you to introduce yourself uh, to our listeners out there? Yeah, thank you. Good morning, and I'm delighted to be with you, Jennifer. Um, Amy Moss, Senior Vice President, Clinical Operations Hospice at Emeticis. And I'm Jason Banks, Senior Director of Sales at uh, Envoke, which is a speech recognition organization. Thank you. It's so cool to be with you today because I know we have an exciting um, topic to talk about. Um, Again, before we sort of get to what that topic is, Amy, I wanted to ask you if, you know, you're seeing challenges out there today in, in the healthcare landscape with physician documentation. And could you talk to us a little bit about that and what it's like to be a hospice medical director in today's healthcare landscape? That's a loaded question, Jennifer. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> I mean, wow. So, uh, you know, I think what we what we think of as the the world of a hospice physician, hospice medical director today and 2022 um, has has changed so dramatically in the last five years, but definitely in the last 10 and 15. I mean, it's a completely uh, different uh, ball game, if you will. Um, the The clinical component um, persists as it should, and it's it's the the most important thing that we certainly um, need and want from our physicians is that clinical acumen. But the um, demands of meeting the administrative and regulatory and compliance um, needs of the industry have mushroomed, if you will, um, over that period of time. And I think one of the challenges that has come along with that is not only those of us that work in this industry day in and day out, trying to grapple with what those changes mean at the um, provider level when you really get down to do the work, but helping them understand uh, what those mean. Um, You know, one of the the salient points I uh, came to understand many years ago is that how I was trained to provide clinical care and to document what I was doing um, as a physician in, you know, just garden variety, primary care physician in a variety of settings. It's completely different than what we need and expect from a hospice physician. Um, and the best I can can example I can give to you and to your listeners that are, are clinicians and definitely that are physicians would understand this. You know, we talk about a soap note. You know, that SOA. Yeah, I know. Right? I remember doing them as a nurse. <laughs> right. I sure do. Right. So they're very structured, right? They're subjective, right. objective assessment and plan. I mean, and that's just, that's what you do. You know, when we talk about hospice um, documentation, but just communication uh, around an interdisciplinary team, it really is about telling a story. 
Right. Um, it's narrative. And, you know, there's there's training programs now that do, um, you know, um, medical narration uh, that really just, I mean, it's an entire fellowship that talks about how do you do that? How do you tell those stories in medicine? And I point that out just to say that most of, of the physicians that I interact with on a day-to-day basis, but even in the industry, most of us were not trained to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it is on-the-job learning about how to really deliver on that expectation. And um, it is a it is a sizable challenge, but it is an exciting one as well uh, because it allows us to really uh, do some very creative um, things and how we deliver on that. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's how I would say it is most unique today to be a hospice physician compared to, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Right. It, you know, it's, it's, I would think it's difficult to really, um, uh, achieve that balance that you need to tell the patient's story, right? But you still need to get all those salient things in there that, say, an auditor is looking for mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a surveyor is looking for. So, you know, how do you get all of that into um, the documentation to satisfy anybody who's going to pick that record up and look at it, right? Absolutely. It's that, you know, that balance, juggling those, if you will, those discrete factual pieces that you know a third party might be looking for and let's be honest it makes it easy when we have a checklist right that we can say oh yes it meets this it meets that we're good to go let's move on down the road but all of us listening know that most patients don't read the textbooks and most of our delivery of high quality care and delivering on a great patient experience is all in the gray and yeah. um, that's that's really a challenge. So so it's finding that balance in that narration, if you will, of pulling in those data elements that are discrete and factual in many cases, and then weaving through there all of that story about the patient's uh, scenario, their need. And and uh, quite frankly, I hats off because there are some really, really skilled hospice physician clinicians uh, in the industry that do this just exceptionally well. Well, I'm sure you're one of them, Amy. I feel pretty certain about that. So with all of these challenges, it it seems that you needed to um, take a look at your process and maybe do some process improvements. So can you talk a little bit how you use the Invoke um, as a both fundamental and and, uh, innovation to your process, um, which in turn then spurred your medical director engagement. Yeah, that's a, it's actually a really fun story when you, you go back to, to, to think about it. You know, I, notwithstanding everything that I just shared, um, most of my physicians are contractors. So that means that, you know, they're, they're doing gig work, right? Right. And they, they might have been one of the original gig workers, honestly, when you think about it. If you think about today's workforce and, and what hospice physicians have been doing. But that, that that's a really important distinction because what that means is, is that they have a million and one other responsibilities that are coming at them that they need to manage. And so keeping that in mind, efficiency 
was the the need of the day was how can we be very efficient in in what we do as a hospice agency uh, and get the quality and all of the pieces that we need and want and you know we were struggling um, not unlike many I'm sure in in finding that balance uh, so we would hear feedback of well I just don't have time to to sit down and do all of this documentation that you're wanting Dr. Moss or I'm not quite clear on exactly what it is that you need what's the most um, impactful pieces that you need um, or uh, you know I'm a terrible typist I mean heaven forbid I'm a terrible typist too Uh, and then let's just not even talk about those that were handwriting Um, you know you yeah let's not right (laughs) (laughs) but but that was still happening so you know, what I discovered in my travels was that, you know, we had significant variability in how we were delivering uh, the outcome. And there was a lot of dissatisfaction amongst the physicians. And, uh, you know, I, I, so that's where I started. I said, I, I need a product that, that delivers on, uh, I need a solution and is what I was looking for. And, you know, I thought back to my days of early in the hospital and, you know, they'd say, hey, Dr. Moss, you're late on your, uh, you know, your medical records. And there was this old, you know, the old dictaphone, the big clunky thing oh, that you would yeah, use. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? I learned then that it created some time saving for me. So taking that analogy, like what do we have today in the industry? And, and you know, we were using some products that, you know, were maybe kind of the, I don't know, the Pinto version of, of some of those products internally. And it was a mixed bag of, you know, whether or not they liked them or used them. And, and then, you know, we, we also had, you know, clinicians are really creative. So they'll figure out ways to, you know, do workarounds. And some of those were problematic, as you can imagine, read between right. the lines here. Um, and so I needed a solution that uh, would help them and help them be efficient. And I thought, what if we could just tell the story, like narrate, like it's not it's not remarkable. It was just kind of keep it simple, stupid theory, mm-hmm. right? And right. I thought, oh my gosh, so how could we do that? What would it take? And it needed to be efficient. It needed to be, you know, I, I don't need to have a lot of equipment. And so as it turns out, there was another conversation in the organization happening uh, with uh, Invoke. And I just happened to tag along and, and said, hey, can I just listen in on what you guys are doing? And and I needed, uh, I think I've used this, said this before, so it won't be new. I, I said I needed uh, the Volkswagen version of the Cadillac version they were offering. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't need a full electronic health record type of uh, interface. I just needed to be able to help my physicians sit down and just tell the story about the patient. That's that's all I needed. And so that began our um, uh, relationship, if you will. And we started talking and uh, there was a lot of exploration that went on on both sides. And, um, you know, over that time, we have created, um, you know, a product that that really is is working well for our physicians. Um, The feedback remarkably is. is is just overwhelmingly positive. Um, 
you know, all the way from it's time saving that they've actually used that word others to, I can actually get it done uh, in the time in which I want to get it done. So I, in other words, I don't have to take it home. I don't have to come back to it uh, later in the week. And uh, it's music to my ears and to theirs as well. Right. It's like a once and done. What a great performance improvement um, story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're you're not only up in the quality proposition, but, you know, you've got efficiencies built into that as well. So uh, kudos to you for that. You know, it's it's sometimes really hard to, um, you know, pull something off. Um, I'm sure it took you you know, X amount of time, but, you know, for you to come out on the back end and everybody's engaged and, and likes it and, and is willing to um, do what they need to do. That's a, a PI success story in my eyes, I think. So I, let me, sh- yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, go agree. ahead. No, I agree. I, I think there is lots of success to be gleaned from that and lots of learnings of how to do better in the future. Absolutely. You can always build on top of what you've got, right? So I want to shift gears and um, talk to Jason about what um, Jason, who uh, is representing Invoke, uh, what are you hearing um, from physicians about the product? So we hear a lot of what uh, Dr. Moss has has said today. In fact, uh, you know, it's interesting uh, being on the technical side, but also having served on the provider side. I've had firsthand experience working with physicians um, in the hospice and palliative care setting. And to Dr. Moss's point, they've got to be, they've got, they wear multiple hats, right? Many of them have multiple jobs, quite frankly, but they're they're And we've talked about this before, but they're, they're the lead clinician, they're the lead educator. Honestly, they, they lead the cultural tone, uh, at least of their teams. Um, we find that many times they do that. And then they're the lead documenter, quite frankly, because they're defining through their documentation, the eligibility of the patient. You know, I think one thing that, you know, people that are outside of the industry don't realize is that physicians are relying on information being, uh, you know, sent to them either via email or via phone about that patient in order to do things like define eligibility. And it's sort of a game of telephone. You know, what we found is we have really good clinicians across the board. I'm talking about, you know, hospice nurses and and social workers and chaplains, but not all of them are great at painting the picture of that Mm -hmm. patient, you know, and Dr. Moss talked about, you know, this, this sort of, um, a lot of this lies in the gray area. You know, I've, I've seen patients who are, not short of breath. They're not nauseous. They're not, they don't have anxiety or pain and yet they are end of life eligible. I've seen, you know, patients who are, you know, 107 years old and tootling around the top floor of a senior living facility with a walker stopping to flirt with me and, you know, and they're not end of life. Right. And so, you know, a, a lot of it does lie in there. And so back to your question, what do we hear from physicians? They love still to this day to spend time not only with the patients, but with their team. Again, they are the lead clinician. They got into this to help people, to serve people, Um, and not just patients and families, but also their team members, right? I I see physicians who love nothing more than to actually go out with a nurse, with a social worker, to the patient home, 
and really d provide some education right there on site. And man, that is such a beautiful thing to see. But as Dr. Moss pointed out, you've got a lot of regulatory requirements and, and, and paperwork and other burdens that, that sort of get in the way. And so, you know, one of the things that we hear from uh, physicians that are that are using the product on a daily basis is they're they're really appreciative of the ability to save time, but also we've we've built in some some functionality that is um, sort of benign reminders that they may have left out things in the note that may affect either eligibility that may affect regulatory oh, compliance that may affect payment, and so and and what's nice about it is that you know human nature right physicians are people who want to get it right too every time and so what you know what we saw a lot of the time before using tools like this is they might complete their cti for instance and then somebody in the qa side might catch something that the physician overlooked in that cti note well it's embarrassing quite frankly for that physician they don't want to miss that nobody does right right and so this is a benign way a little nudge on the shoulder to say hey jason you've forgotten to include this in your note why don't you go ahead and include it before you submit it um, and it's it's really a cool thing to see because then that physician looks like a rock star, right? They yeah, they, yeah. they document so well every single time, even though it's a it's a chore that they don't really look forward to. They want to do a good job. Every single one of them that I've talked to and met wants to do a good job, and this is a really sort of subtle way to enable them to do a good job um, without having human interaction involved in that. And so that's right. that's what we're hearing a lot from physicians. I love that you built those cues in as you know, sort of a a, a technical add to that. Um, and you know, the, in my mind, when you were talking about that, it's like, oh, you've just increased consistency like a hundred percent, if not more, right? Uh, across the board with your physician documentation. Um, are there any other technical achievements that? Um, you've had to make to make this work for physicians to be able to tell that patient's story. We have, you know, we've, and thank goodness for Dr. Moss and, and Dr. Katz and some of the other incredible physicians that, that work with, uh, that work with the organization and other organizations that we've worked with as well. Um, we built in, you know, everything from dictionaries that are specific to hospice and palliative care um, to shortcuts, right? Many shortcuts, you know, physicians are, um, a lot of what they uh, will document is unique to the patient and family, but there are some things that are, are pretty standard overall. And those things become really burdensome, right? When you're typing the same thing right. over and over and over on every patient. And so we've, we've built along with their help, shortcuts that would enable them to do those types of things quicker. Um, and so, you know, it, and, and really it, the, the, the product continues to grow and grow and grow thanks to our partnerships with organizations like Dr. Moss. That is completely awesome. So some of the things that I've gleaned here from our conversation is that the clinical needs of an organization mixing with the responsibilities of the medical director really has changed um, with this implementation of, of innovation. 
Um, yeah, and I hear you, Dr. Moss, that, you know, medical directors that I've worked with um, in my time in hospice weren't necessarily trained on, you know, what's expected of documentation, mm -hmm. uh, particularly from 2010 moving forward when CMS started mounting more and more documentation responsibilities on um, hospice physicians and medical directors. So, you know, really juggling that uh, factual data uh, and and the need uh, to meet those requirements um, helps to weave that that patient's individual and unique story. Mm -hmm. And and you're doing with this innovation and this technology, you're able to do it in an efficient and consistent way. So if I could ask you, uh, as we're closing out here, is Amy and Jason, what's one tip that you can give our listeners when it comes to getting started using a solution um, like Invoke? Um, gosh, just one. Ooh. Well, so, you can give several if you like. <laughs> so I would say some of the initial uh, pushback when, you know, we were rolling this out was, well, I've used dictation solutions before. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the most common one was, I have a heavy accent, my dialect is, is unique, uh, you know, and it's just always been problematic. And so we specifically did a, a very small pilot uh, with self-identified self uh, physicians who said, you know, it's just not going to work for me. And we asked them to specifically give it a try. And I, I have to tell you, the, uh, they were, many of them were shocked at how quick the tool learned their dialect, their accent, um, and the efficiency of the tool Jason, keep me honest, but was remar I mean, it was well above 90% uh, on, uh, you know, the, the accuracy of the capture of what they were saying. And what I learned from that is one, you know, come on, let's give it a try. So let's, let's bump up my elevator speech. But two, what we really were able to take away from that is it's not going to be perfect the first couple of times that you use it. You're really going to need to use it consistently. And I, I think we landed somewhere, Jason, around, you know, um, an average of about uh, somewhere between 60 and 100 dictations. You get those under your belt, you're going to have extraordinary accuracy with this tool in spite of whatever dialect you throw at it. And I think... That was a critical, uh, you know, learning for us, uh, particularly for our physician population. And so I would say, you know, really pay attention to the data that Invoke can help you um, uh, really analyze about what the user experience is and then turn that around to continue to uh, leverage uh, buy-in. And That's I, great. Would, I would echo everything that Dr. Moss said. You know, one of the things that we see um, when it comes to adoption of the technology is just a plan and leadership and the communication plan to try in earnest for a period of time. You know, what we see is physicians and other clinicians who 
um, may use the tool once or twice and they have an error and they put it down, they're, they're not apt to go back to it. But if they use it, as Dr. Moss pointed out, 60 to 100 dictations or, you know, call it, you know, three weeks in earnest, four weeks in earnest, they never put it down again. Mm-hmm. Um, they realize the value of it. And it's, you know, it's, it's really um, rewarding for, for us because, um, you know, we, we've uh, been in the industry a while. We know that regulatory is getting tougher and tougher. And, you know, to your point, Jennifer, as, as you pointed out, there's so many different regulatory components compared to 2010, right? You've got to right. have that PPS score. You've got to have the disease progression. You've got to have, you know, the prognostic statement all clearly documented in that hospice CTI. And so, you know, for for physicians who might be juggling again, they might be juggling multiple responsibilities within the organization at the very highest level, as well as perhaps multiple different job responsibilities. Those are difficult things to to be able to manage. And again, they all want uh, everything I, I have experienced in, in almost 20 years in the industry. They want to do a good job and they love patients and families and they want to document uh, effectively. And so this is just a tool to enable them to do that. Yeah, thank you. And I'm, I'm really glad that you, you you talked about the the need for the physician to use it and use it and use it. Because remember, you know, quality improvement is not an event. It's a process. That's so right. um, thank you for throwing that in. Well, um, I want to thank you both, um, Dr. Moss and Jason, uh, for joining me today to talk about this cool innovation. Uh, that's available. And, you know, it's it's a testament of quality improvement and process at your organization, Dr. Moss. Thank you so much for joining today. And I want to thank our listeners out there for taking time out of your day to plug into our podcast. And hopefully you are able to take away a pearl or two of wisdom from this discussion. Thanks again. Join us next time for the next uh, podcast and stay safe and well. Thank you.